Hey, this is Jason Velarde with Absurdist Asylum. You may listen to this episode and realize there's some audio recording issues. That's because Brad and I are in a transition in our life right now, and we decided we put out an episode that we recorded a while back that wasn't up to our standards just to get something out for the month. We will be back soon with some higher quality episodes. Thank you guys for stopping by Absurdist Asylum and supporting us during this time, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, it's me, Brad. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Jason? Uh, I am fantastic. So when we picked the movie for today's episode, we wanted to work maybe off of uh, a concept, uh, and we wanted to talk about the underrated comedies, maybe maybe from your childhood, just, just a comedy that you, you love and is not something that, that a lot of people seem to know about. Uh, and I had Brad pick first. Brad, do you want to tell us what movie you picked for us today? Yes, I would. So one of the comedy movies that I've seen that when I was younger uh, that I just laughed my ass about was called uh, Bachelor Party Vegas. And I think the reason I really liked it was uh, one of the main characters uh, also plays uh, another character on Scrubs, uh, the character who plays Turk. I always forget his real name. Donald Faison. Donald Faison. And I used to be in love with that, that TV show Scrubs. So I saw him in a movie and I was like, I got to watch this. And I watched it and it was hilarious. Now it's funny that you watched this when you were a kid because, well, one, it's definitely not a kid's movie, but uh, and, you know, I'm sure you probably mean like more along like teens almost. But Yeah, I was probably maybe, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere around that age. But we're pretty close to the same age. Uh, I think you're a little younger than me, but I had never heard about this movie. It's a gem. I mean, that is a word for it. So this movie, as you may have guessed, is about a group of friends who go to Vegas for one of their friends' bachelor party. Uh, I mean, we've all been to a bachelor party or two. I've never been to a bachelor party in Vegas. Brad, have you? Uh, not in Vegas, but I've been to some pretty crazy ones. Yeah, I, I have been to a crazy one. Even my own bachelor party wasn't even much of a bachelor party. Me, my wife and I and some friends just went and played top golf the night before our wedding. <laughs> so uh, it was it was a grand old time. I don't think I would have enjoyed myself as like a strip club or something weird like that. But these guys decide to go all out. They set what is it? Ten rules that mm-hmm. range anywhere from you have to wear your bachelor party t-shirt the whole weekend to uh, only entertainment can be like you know de- sex and debauchery type entertainment do you, do you do you remember any more specific ones uh i i believe there was something about um if you break one of the rules you have to take a shot or you have to ingest uh good amount of alcohol and that's why they get so fucked up yeah there was also the uh the whole mission is to like have yeah it was like to have the like wildest time and the one of the rules was it has to be in vegas which seemed unnecessary but (laughs) uh so these guys they're they're all pumped up about uh getting ready to go and we open in an airport scene and this movie it starts off hard with like, I think one of the first jokes is like showing this friend a porno uh, that he's like looking at Donald Faison's characters looking at in the airport. Yeah. I think probably one of the reasons I really liked it when I was younger is because I'm at that age where I'm starting to become more of an adult, like, you know, around 15, 16 years old. And when it starts with him looking at the porno mag, I'm just like, oh, I can relate to that. Yeah, I got that. I'd like to see some titties. Oh, there they are. Yeah, so I, I think me being, you know, an, a young adult, you know, this movie just kind of, I wouldn't say hit at home, but kind of maybe showed me some stuff to look forward to and some things that I probably should never do in my life. <laughs> so one of the things that I actually love about this movie, and we skipped right over when we got to the plot, because it really has nothing to do with the plot, is that they have this intro scene where they're playing like a rap song. And I can't even remember the name of the song or or how it went. But over 
like these shots of old timey Vegas with like the showgirls and guys with big cigars and and it's like I I like seeing I don't know I, just those types of things visually especially when it comes to Vegas because that's so far gone now that you know you really as you're in Vegas you can almost kind of miss that from time to time especially considering how like crowded and sometimes dirty it is like back when the mob was running Vegas it uh it was a lot cleaner you you know you, there was no homeless on the streets and stuff like that not saying that I wish the mob was running Vegas and beating out homeless people for being homeless but <laughs> you know, there's a certain sense of nostalgia when you like watch all those shots of people having a grand old time yeah there's there's like a an element of respect around that time in Vegas and I think the reason why they opened with that was to contrast what the movie is going to be about. Like, this is how Vegas used to be, you know, with nice and respectful and you go there and you have fun and you leave. And then it opens abruptly with the porn bag. It just completely contrasts what you just saw in the very beginning title sequence. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, and that's really a great way of looking at it as far as it does really set up a tone for, you know, you see all these like high class people having like what you would imagine Vegas to to be when you think about it, because it's not really that anymore. Like the only showgirls that you see, unless you're actually going to a showgirl show, are the ones like taking pictures with people out on the strip. And those aren't sanctioned by the casinos or anything. They're just out there to make their dollar more power to them. And then as soon as that montage of all the old timey Vegas is over, it cuts to these guys, you know, hauling blow up dolls through an airport or <laughs> looking at porno mags in an airport. And so it does really have an interesting con contrast when it comes to how they set it up. I think it was a smart decision on the filmmaker side, because when you think of Vegas, I mean, nowadays, when you think of Vegas, you think of, all the wild, crazy things you and your friends, whoever you're with are going to get into because it's Vegas. It's like a free for all area. No questions asked. If you get pulled over by the police or arrested in the police, you probably had a good Vegas trip. That's kind of what people, you know, might think about when they go to Vegas, you know, with all the alcohol and all the, you know, the partying and all the elaborate things you can do there. Yeah, so was this was this movie like your image of Vegas as a, as a young adult? Or go ahead. Yeah, I've never been to Vegas. Uh when I had seen this movie when I was around, you know, 15, 16, I had never been to Vegas. My first trip to Vegas, I think I was 19. So when I got there when I was 19, completely different, you know, expectations from like the types of movies that I had seen about Vegas. Yeah. The, the movies that I had seen about Vegas was mainly fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> yes, I have. So, I mean, we, we had a, you know, there, there was a very different uh, uh, tone there when it comes to those two movies, as far as sure. bachelor party Vegas and fear and loathing in Las Vegas. But so in the, in the credits that we, you know, with the old timey montage, they have, I don't know if there's a specific term for this, but they have, you know, there's this actor, this actor, this actor, and then they say featuring, and then they have your, your household name actor and they say featuring Jamie Presley. And I don't know how much they had to pay Jamie Presley to be in this movie, but she is in there for, very little of it they they spot her once really quick in the airport and so you know it's going to come back you know they don't just have jamie presley to say oh it's, it's jamie presley so you know it's going to come back somewhere but they spot her once in the airport and you don't see her for a very long portion of the movie i'm, I'm not sure exactly why they do that because there's a lot of different reasons for doing it mainly just name recognition when you when you watch the title sequence and they say featuring this person that's a big name i think it just kind of adds a an element of professionalism to the movie like oh they got this famous person in this movie this is probably going to be a good movie 
even if they're only there for 10, 15 seconds, or if they're throughout, you know, throughout the movie. Yeah. So I'm wondering why they, they felt the need to do that other than it's just Jamie Presley. I don't know what affiliation she has with Vegas other than she used to be a porn actor, but uh, the, I, I wonder why they felt they had to do that because they've got Cal Penn in there, which just came off of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. This movie, Bachelor Party Vegas, came out in 2006, and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle came out in 2004. So I wonder, I wonder if that was a strictly name recognition thing, or they really felt that was like central to the plot. I would venture to say it was more of a recognition thing. I mean, she could have. I never really looked at the credits. She could have also donated some money to the film, you know, for their budget. And they required, you know, she required, I have my name in there somewhere. Um, that could be part of it. There, there's a lot of reasons why they do that. There's no like clear cut rule of who gets a featured title at the beginning. Interesting. So I'm wondering, I'm trying to see it now. Did you happen to catch what the budget of this movie was? I didn't catch the budget. Um, but I know it was studio ran. So it was, Probably, it was, I don't think it was quite in the millions, but it was probably close to just under. Okay. I mean, I, when you film in places like Vegas, you normally have to pay for that type of location. You got to pay X amount of dollars to film in this casino unless the casino is going to let you write it off as advertising for that casino. There's budgeting it's really hard to understand exactly where the money goes. Um, I, I would say they're, I, I wouldn't say they broke a million dollars on this, but they definitely could have. Yeah. It, it's actually kind of weird how little like trivia like that there was to find about the movie just for the sake of their IMDB pages incredibly scarce the only real trivia i could find is that this movie was filmed in 16 days did you uh like could you imagine how much filming it's got to take to cram a feature like film into 16 days do you know of any movies that were filmed in a shorter amount of time i i know of a couple movies that were filmed in shorter amounts a, a lot of movies on netflix actually that aren't like movies that don't make it to the theaters, movies that just go like straight to DVD. Um, those types of movies that could be based on, you know, their, their budgeting that could be based on their distribution, but there's a lot of movies on Netflix that are shot in less than 10 days. Uh, there was a horror flick that I watched a while back. I remember looking up onto it cause I really just wanted to know who the talent was cause I didn't know who the actors and actresses were. And then on their IMDb page, uh, I believe it was filmed in like nine and a half, ten days. And I was like, wow, this is actually really good for filming in ten days. Um, so for a movie being filmed, a feature-length film being filmed in 16 days, uh, they were definitely running and gunning, and they probably did a lot of pre-production on this just to get ready to do it. Yeah, I would imagine the pre-production does play a large part of it, of what it takes to get something done in that amount of time. They could have had longer you know, they could have had, they could have been planning for roughly three, uh, three weeks to a month and then got what they could. And that, that could be another reason. Just, just knock it out. Yeah. I mean, and I, I suppose if you have a specific vision, uh, you, you know, you, you know what you're looking for when it comes to it. So you mentioned like location filming in Vegas it actually, despite being set in this, besides like the, uh, d besides being set mainly in Vegas, uh, the there's not much of Vegas except for the B-roll. Except they do have a scene in the Golden Nugget Casino, uh, which was actually a pretty uh, was actually a really interesting place to be at. They've got the world's largest. Uh, golden golden nugget that they've ever found. They call it the hand of God because it's kind of like shaped like a hand. Man, I just want to I just want to steal that. Why is there not a movie about them? Somebody trying to steal that and sell it? Because Brad Cousy hasn't directed it yet. All right. Well, we're gonna write that one next. Right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects of location filming and 
I suspect a lot of it actually wasn't really filmed in Vegas. I didn't find any information that said what parts were, but some of it, it looks pretty studio set. So I, I would venture to say that probably factored into their budget being a lot cheaper was, you know, some of the interior scenes were probably filmed on a studio stage and not in Vegas, but they paint the picture of Vegas in the stage. Yeah. And a lot of it was filmed in kind of like back lot areas because they do get away from, they're not even on the strip, uh, the golden nuggets on Fremont street. So they don't, they don't spend any time at all uh, on the strip as far as uh, where they actually are in the plot of the movie. They probably couldn't get the rights or the clearances or the paperwork to film on the strip. It's incredibly tough to do it. Yeah, I would imagine just just the amount of people that you'd have to divert or or I don't know if you'd have to divert them or get their rights to be filmed as they walk by because you can't just have like people's faces blurred out. Yeah, there's there's ways around that, you know, getting crowds and having them in the frame without actually paying them or getting their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, their uh, approval to use their face on camera. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely tricks that I've, that I've done before to do that. Uh, not like it's a bad thing. It's just like one aspect would be, you know, posting up a big poster or a signage all around the area saying, you know, this area is in a filming area. You may or may not be um, on camera. And then if you don't want to be on camera, it says somewhere in there, you know, what we ask you politely to leave the area. That's one way to do it. I've done that before. Interesting. Um, yeah, but they didn't really do it. They, they filmed it as if they were in Vegas, which is smart, but they weren't really showing the big areas of Vegas because I think it was more of a budgeting and time constraint. Yeah. And I, I would imagine the, the budget has a lot to do with it. So to set up this movie, they are there for a bachelor party, obviously. And Cal Penn's character has, uh, they call him Z Bob has planned out this whole bachelor party weekend. He's hired a, a bachelor weekend planner and the, it, because his brothers had done it before and they recommended the guy. And so when they get there, they get brought up to this like amazing hotel, lots of girls around. They uh, give them a bunch of chips to go gamble with and uh, set them up with, you know, drinks and whatever they need. And they have the, the guy that they're supposed to meet, says oh uh the guy that they do meet says the guy that they're supposed to meet passed away uh you know last week or something like that uh and and so they're a little put off by the guy it's actually um i forget what his name it is but it's the guy who played big pussy in the sopranos yeah he's uh, a famous comedian um i can't remember his name either you can probably pull it up on imdb uh, he's on uh, joe rogan's podcast a lot Oh, no, that's not the same guy. Oh, it's not the same guy? Oh, no, man, for some reason I thought they the same guy. It's Vincent Pastore. You're thinking of, why can't I think of it? Joey Diaz. Oh, okay. Man, yeah. those two do look alike, though. I mean, well, like, yeah, they, they have similar facial features. I think one's Italian and one's Cuban. But Man, I thought that was Joey Diaz this whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, they meet Vincent Pastore's character, uh, Carmine... I want to say Falcone, but I know that's from Batman. So his name is Carmine. <laughs> but, uh, and he, he's their party planner uh, after Mr. Kidd uh, supposedly passed away. And uh, so he sets him up with some chips. And like, there's a whole good like half hour of this movie where I was like, all right, what's going to happen? Is it like, I, clearly it's not just going to be guys having a great time in Vegas you know, like everything going right. So it's like, what's going to happen? And so they're gambling with these chips, this guy, these chips, this guy gives them. And then all of a sudden they get called into the casino owner's office. You say, you know, who the fuck, you know, wh what do you think you're doing trying to screw me over with these fake chips? And they're like, no, the guy gave it to us. And they point him out on camera and they go get into a fight and there's like a shootout. It seemed like they were shooting, didn't it? I, I swear I saw a gun, a security guard pulled out, but you're watching it through this security camera. Yeah, I, I think they had, they pulled out their weapons and it like implemented, you know, gunshots. But I think it was more like a, 
threatening tactic. I don't think they ever like, actually fired the guns. Interesting. Well, either way, these guys run out the back door of an office and uh, wind up. Where is it that they go straight from the casino? Oh, they run, they, they run out the casino. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, they, they run out the casino and they're like, we need a ride. And the uh, there's a bachelorette party that pulls up and asks them if they want to like join the party. And they say, isn't this town great? Uh, so uh, uh, they're in the bachelor party, the bachelorette party, like they like get this long stretch hover. And I mean, there's not a polite way to say this, but the point, the joke of it is that they like get into this bachelor party and they're in there with a bunch of like heavy set chicks. So it's like the whole joke, which is like, no way you could get away with that being the punchline itself. Like, you know, <laughs> cause it's like a smash cut they do from like, isn't this town great? And then they like in the car, in the casino and it's like, it's just like jam packed full of people uh, in the casino, in the limousine. Yeah, it's a showing, not telling. That's how they get that joke across. Because if they say it, like, uh, well, it's a little bit too much on the nose. But they can show with the smash cut. And I, if I remember correctly, the smash cut is, to them, and it's, like, really awkward in the Hummer. Oh, like, yeah. There's not a whole lot. Like, everyone's just kind of, like, free, trying to figure out what the hell's going on right now. Yeah, and so so long story short, the these girls convince the guys to show them their dicks, and then they kick them out because they say their dicks are too small. And then <laughs> the the fat guy in the group of guys that like are our main characters, are like, what the fuck, man? Fat chicks are dissing on our dongs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just this movie is like it's almost hard to watch at points because. There's so much extra where, you know, there's like tits and like the, you know, like the sex scene. It's not even a sex scene. It's where the guy like backs out of having sex with a prostitute uh, in the, when they're earlier in the hotel. It's like so gratuitous that you like, it's almost like a cringy moment. Like the actors are playing it up more. And the stripper scene on the van, like I've always had maybe not a fascination, but just like, I want to get inside the heads of actors or actresses where they're only hired because they're going to be the ugly character. Like the stripper that they have on there is like in the van. That's the joke is she's like old wrinkly and not, you know, not somebody that they'd be attracted to. And she's wearing like grandma panties underneath her like lingerie, which is hilarious. I've actually had that same thought before too about, how, how but my thought was more about how do you approach that like how do you ask them hey would you like to be in our film this is the role we'd like you to play and then they read it and then they're like oh okay uh yeah sure you know because it's, it's a paid gig most of the time so it's work they're, they you know people need work but like <laughs> i always always struggle with that part like I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or anything, but how do you, you know, say, Oh, this person's perfect because their face looks like they got hit by a truck. And that's exactly the person we need for this scene. Like, how do you approach that? The way yeah. that I see it is it's all about professionalism. Like this is the role we would like you to play. We're paying you for it. You know, you're, you're a professional actor or actress. Do you want the job or not? And most of the time, if they're a struggling actor or actress, they're going to take it. See, and I don't think she was a struggling actress because this lady is like a comedian that I've seen in things before. Lynn Shea. Uh, She's been in, uh, she was in There's Something About Mary. She was uh, the lady with the curlers in her hair and, and Something About Mary. She was in a couple of the Insidious movies. Like, she's not hard up for work this actress uh she must have just thought it was funnier than it was it was it was hard to watch like that scene is she, it goes she probably on had a good sense of humor yeah i would say about like oh okay this would be really funny yeah i mean there's many reasons why she accepted the role maybe we could get her on this call yeah and figure out why she accepted that role yeah you know just yeah <laughs> we'll get her I'll, I'll call her up right now 
Um, okay. <laughs> so they wind up, where do they wind up after that? They, so they're on the bus. They go to a paintball place, play some paintball with some chicks in bikinis, which is like, I don't know, it's so 2005 or six when they were making this movie because paint, that was when I was playing paintball. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, there's a lot of like cookie cutter moments. Like, what are we going to do? What's the cool thing that these guys are going to do right before they like go and have the, their uh, adventure. And so it's like, Oh, let's, let's make a play paintball. Cause that's what's in right now. Uh, so, well, if, if I remember correctly, so what, what happened was each person other than the bachelor planned a section of the trip. Yeah. And I can't remember who planned the paintball one. Was that it was the Donald Faison's? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was Donald. So, so every, every member, I think there's five people. They all, they've all taken it upon themselves to each plan a section of this bachelor party. And this is his section. And as we get through the movie, you realize each section that is planned goes horribly wrong. Well, and it's funny because they only specifically mention, other than uh, Cal Penn, Big Z, uh, or Z-Bob's character, planning the majority of the thing himself, there's they only mentioned two other people's plans, which was Donald Faison's paintball plan, and then the hefty guy, the in their group, which I, I forget his name. They called him like Johnny C. Yep, Johnny C. Uh, they he planned this thing where they go watch their favorite porn star do a porno. Which, <laughs> yeah. So there's the director or the owner of the porno company. I don't quite remember which. I think it was the owner of the porno company. Opens the door, and I swear up and down that this guy is Daniel Stern, the Sticky Bandit, because I and I've looked all up and down the uh, the the credits for this movie, and I see no Daniel Stern. So I must be wrong, but. The uh, the guy with like the fake teeth and the sunglasses, he had his robe open. Yeah, he kind of has like a kind of has like a Hugh Hefner vibe going. Yeah, except it's like um, low rent Hugh Hefner. Yeah, as if he was <laughs> as if he was running a hostel or something. Yeah. So, and this is another scene where it's just like uh, the it cracked me up. Candy Jugs is the name of the stripper that they're going to see. Which is his, uh, which is his favorite, uh, Cal Penn's favorite stripper, or not stripper, uh, porn star, and they go to see her, and the scene is like, he licks her cheek as they're running away. Oh, we haven't even mentioned why they're running away, but he licks their cheek as her cheek as they're running away. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to do this, and then he says, yep. Oh my God, you do taste like my favorite breakfast sandwich. <laughs> just, which is the weirdest uh, it's, it's a funny the oh, weirdest it was, thing it was daniel stern i guess i'm not crazy was it harry hard yeah the porn producer was played by the sticky bandit himself daniel stern man i i, I didn't really make that connection until i mean right until you just told me but <laughs> that almost makes it even creepier now I mean, it's uh, Daniel Stern is funny. I'm not sure if he's actually going crazy or he's just really good at pretending. But he's like a huge Cubs fan, and he just posts rants on Twitter from time to time. So anything with – I mean, this is this is a long time ago, but anything with Daniel Stern's all right by me. It brought the movie up a little bit. <laughs> you just you just changed your whole lookout on the whole movie now? Right, because now I don't have to do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon when I – you know, between this movie and Home Alone. It's just one degree. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So let's let's get to the part where uh, why they're running away. Yeah. So we talk about people who they paid a shit ton of money to be in this movie, and you can't help but bring up Chuck Liddell, UFC legend Chuck Liddell. Uh, he's my favorite UFC legend. Oh yeah, he is. Candy Jug's boyfriend, and he's not in the scene as they start there, but they hear his motorcycle revving up, and they're like, oh shit, not again, and apparently he's like a super jealous boyfriend who's going to kill anybody who, you know, is watching his girlfriend get boned, which is like, 
she's a porn star. That's uh... yeah, and I think the the <laughs> the reason why they chose him uh, him because of his background of a UFC fighter because he's just that he's that big tough dude that he's gonna whoop your ass no matter what. And I'm I'm actually really glad they picked him. I'd also be okay if they picked maybe Forrest Griffin or like Dana White. Yeah, I, uh, so or I'm Joe not, Rogan. Oh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he rolls up, and it's like the cuts in this part where they have the characters in this other room, and then they're also like cutting to Chuck Liddell on his motorcycle. It seems like it's like I know it's not B footage because it's exactly what they're looking for, but something about the filter made it seem like a little softer, like it was like filmed in a back alley somewhere. I'm not sure, but it just seemed like like it was almost like a different quality of film when they were cutting to Chuck Liddell on his motorcycle. Yeah, they. I mean, they could have had different cameras. You don't always use the same make and brand camera throughout the whole movie. You might use a Sony camera for this scene or a red camera for this scene or an Ari for this. You don't always use the same one with me in my films. I normally do because I don't have the budget to rent multiple different cameras, um, but they could have done it for effect, you know, to that kind of grittier look when, when it's, it's him on screen. That could be a reason why they did it. There's a lot of reasons why, certain things are done certain ways and you never really know unless you talk to the filmmaker. Well, um, I will call up Eric burnt right now, written and directed by Eric burnt. Um, so, and as he, he's actually done a couple of movies that I've heard of, he did, uh, Romeo must die with Jet Li. He did, uh, one of the Highlander movies, Highlander Endgame which I can't say I've seen, but he's also done quite a few episodes uh, or, or maybe just the two episodes of Z nation, which is a sci-fi zombie series. That's uh, according to my brother-in-law, pretty good. I've seen a few episodes just watching it with him. It's uh, yeah. It's kind of like walking dead, but it's like a different take. Yeah. Like the, there was like a weird thing where uh, there was like a, a part zombie kid. She's got, cause the zombies have like blue skin. And so she's got like all blue skin. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was it was interesting. Not interesting enough to get me to watch the whole series. Like, go start it by <laughs> myself. But there's there's too much stuff to watch on TV, anyways. There really is. But uh, but yeah. So they so they're they're running away from Trek Liddell because he's basically said, "Hey, I just caught you watching my girlfriend get boned. Uh, I'm gonna fuck you up now." And so they take off again. You know. This is another down point in the movie. Like, plan did not go as scheduled. And now, I think, if I remember correctly, they when they finally think they're safe, they meet the uh, spaghetti wrestler. <laughs> yep, spaghetti and, wrestling Elvis. And it's, oh, man, it's such a... Why there's a, a spaghetti wrestler... By the way, if you don't know what a spaghetti wrestler is, uh, the way this movie does it is... Oh, the actress's name. I just forgot the actress's name. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin. So she is dressed up as a Elvis impersonator and she's got a like a, a inflatable pool full of spaghetti. It's a and trailer. She's it's a trailer. attached to the back of her van. Like she rolls around to kids' birthday parties <laughs> and they pay they pay you or pay her to wrestle your children or whoever the fuck is paying them in this big spaghetti pool. And I can't remember exactly. She robs them first, or is that after? Well, so they meet her. She tells them that the golden nugget has been robbed tonight. The cops caught the bad guys, killed them, but the money was never found. And then as she's talking about this, they hear motorcycles off in the distance. And so indicate Chuck Liddell's rolling up on him. And they start like hiding in this trailer, covering themselves with spaghetti throwing it all over themselves that's right and so yeah once they come back up from the spaghetti after chuck liddell rolls by they she's like i hate to do this to you boys but money's tight (laughs) she she pulls out a gun robs them with a shotgun (laughs) yeah oh man and and that's one thing i actually liked about this movie was you know it starts off with and i kind of knew it was going to go this way but 
like movies never go the way the the plan no matter what plan that people have in a movie it never goes that way and it just goes you know drama 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 like it's just goes down and down and down all the time and then there's sometimes there's an upbeat moment and then it just hits your heart again and so you know they went paintballing which we didn't we didn't talk about what happened during paintballing they go paintballing and there's five or six people against these two insanely hot women hardly wearing any clothing and they're like we can't we can't shoot them with paintballs like we're gonna destroy them then it turns out these two insanely hot women are like paintball professionals and they just kick their ass completely in the paintball and then we get to this scene where there's you know they're at the porn set Chuck Waddell's gonna whoop their ass there's your down moment you know all right let's hide in this big old pool of spaghetti and then oh another down moment you're getting robbed yeah and it's like no matter what they do to try to get out of the situation they just dig themselves deeper in that hole or spaghetti I guess <laughs> yeah and, and you mentioned the fact that these girls were wearing hardly any clothing like professional paintball or not, have you ever been hit with, by a paintball with clothes on? Like I've been hit by a paintball with the CO2 turned all the way up to where when I got hit, the paintball did not break. Oh, so it like flash froze it? I mean, I think it's just traveling so fast that it's essentially a bullet and like it'll break the skin, but it's not, it's so fast it doesn't break the, the paintball. Interesting. It hurts. Sounds, sounds like your friends are dicks. But. Yeah, well, it's actually my older brother, so you can thank him for that one. So after they're robbed by Kathy Griffin, which is the second piece of trivia that's available for this movie, is the fact that uh, behind-the-scenes footage of this movie was on her show, Kathy Griffin and the D-List, um, and My Life on the D-List, which I don't know if you ever remember. It was like a VH1 show or something like that. But she said on the show, like, I hope this actually gets released, <laughs> indicating that she's like, doesn't have complete confidence in this movie, which I can't imagine why. And I just, I actually just thought of this. I wonder if maybe like one of the producers, executive producers, somebody, assistant director, maybe they just reached out to random agencies and said, hey, we're doing a movie. Who do you have that's available and they're like, well, we got Chuck Liddell. We got Kathy Griffin. <laughs> All right, send them over. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a role for them. That's entirely possible what happened. As, yeah. we, as you get farther into the movie, there's still more like cameo appearances that pop up. Not a lot, but like there's still enough. Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny. They're like building this cast of people. So after we meet Kathy Griffin they're chased a little bit more by Chuck Liddell and they get themselves hiding from him. They get themselves locked in this like storage unit full of old, like casino tables and roulette wheels and stuff like that. Sleep the night off. They talk about how, you know, as soon as they, you know, get, as soon as they get things back on track, they're going to like, I'm going to eat a big prime rib with mashed potatoes or I'm going to be a, eat a big gallon of cookie dough ice cream or I'm going to eat a, he says, a 99 cent sixer shrimp cocktail, which is like them tiny little ones. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which bothers me. Like one, why are you wasting your time on them tiny ass shrimp? <laughs> I guess just for the sake that they're cheaper, but I don't know. That's it, what you love. I yeah. mean, so that the whole point of that scene was, that's like the, I think it's like almost the middle of the movie. That's like the ending of the second act and uh, beginning of the third act. And that's about, that's like the, the reflection period where they're just like, man, what the fuck is going on right now? And you already mentioned it there. There's old Vegas kind of surrounding them. Like the, you know, the marquee signs and everything that old Vegas or new Vegas has thrown away. And that's when they're having this revelation, which kind of, trails back to the beginning of the film when you saw old Vegas in its glory. You know, and so they have their revelation or revelation here. And if I remember correctly, somebody, they haven't eaten, like they haven't eaten all day. They went and had a bunch of drinks, but they haven't eaten any, any food in the last, I don't know, 16 something hours, maybe somewhere around there. So they're starving. And that's, that sparks that conversation of like, oh man, when I get out of here, I'm going to have this and this and this. 
um, which is actually a plant because they, uh, they have what's called a plant and a payoff. So they're planting that information in that scene right there. So if you remember their favorite foods, it'll pay off later in the film. We can talk about that in, in a little while. So that that's exactly why I have you in this on this podcast, Brad, because you you have that mind where you you notice callbacks like that. I honestly, a lot of the times, and it and it drives Jeff crazy. If anybody remembers Jeff, he's <laughs> one of the old hosts. It drives just Jeff crazy because I, I I'm really when I watch a movie, I'm just along for the ride. Like that's one of the reasons why I kind of changed the format of the podcast, where we you know get a chance to watch a movie more than once because. If I if I watch a movie one time, especially if you know, I, I uh, unless I'm thinking super critically about it, I'm like just along for the ride, and I you know I the only way I judge a film is by how does that make me feel afterwards, like which isn't a bad thing to do. It's actually some people would probably, especially in today's age, full of like you know critics and the like, it's probably a gift, if I'm being completely honest, but. That's why I have you on because you, you <laughs> spot that like it's a it's a bit of a callback to old Vegas where they're surrounded by these they do go to the neon junkyard which is the place I didn't want to go I I did want to go and didn't get a chance to when I was out in Vegas uh, where they have all these old like neon signs from old Vegas some of them work some of them don't and they they're running from Chuck Liddell through that which I think is kind of funny because it's like a closed off museum type thing but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah it's really like you know you, you bring something to the show uh, I'm glad you, I bring something you bring more than something to the show Brad uh, I actually do that too though I, w- when I watch a movie for the very first time I you know when I, when I was told about when I was first starting out in film school I just remember almost all of my instructors saying uh, hey, this career path is going to ruin movies for you. And I was like, oh, no, what am I doing with my like? I love movies. This is the reason I got into it. But surprisingly, I can shut that part of my brain off when I watch a movie for the first time. I mean, obviously, I'll uncon- you know, subconsciously pick up things. But, you know, I, I watch it for the-, the-, the moment and I watch it for the experience the first time. But if I think a movie is good enough, to rewatch it a second time, then it's kind of harder for me to turn that part of my brain off. Like I'll start picking out things and most people actually do it too. They just don't realize you ever watch a movie first or one time, then you watch it a second time and you just pick out bits and pieces you didn't get the first, second time or the first time. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted it. You know, like one of the reasons why this show focuses on media, like movies, like sure we've done, you know, a few episodes in the past, whereas like, you know, we did like some paranormal stuff or stuff like that, but that's why we kind of like recentered back around movies is was the one is, you know, I came across an expert, uh, stark raving <laughs> expert. Yeah. And two is like, that's, that's what I do. My family used to hate it when I would watch the special features of movies. Cause they're like, Oh, this ruins the magic. It's like, no, I want to learn about how they do this stuff. And you know, obviously you've taken a step further than I have by actually like going to school and learning this stuff. But it's interesting. That's why you know there's they make behind the scenes featurettes in the first place because they know there's a group of people out there that want to know this stuff. Oh yeah, there's definitely a calling card for it, and I mean yeah, most people they don't realize, but that's exactly what they what they're doing when they watch a movie for a second time or maybe even the first time. They're they're along for the ride, but their brain is picking up bits and pieces and even after movies, like when you're walking out of the movie theater or you just finished watching a movie at home and you talk to somebody about it, what you're talking about is exactly what the filmmaker hopefully wanted you to walk away with. But when you watch it a second time and you pick out all those little bit of details that you didn't catch the first time, you're just doing the same thing I'm doing now. I'm just able to articulate it better because I've got more of that knowledge built into me now. So not saying I'm a, amazing at filmmaking or anything. It's just, I'm a little bit farther down that path and I'm glad I can bring that part to this. Yeah. So uh, let's see where we leave off. They were locked in the old, uh, the room with all the games and stuff. They wake up and 
uh, th- this is, you know, it's funny. It's like you, you research this movie, you like look on, you know, IMDb for trivia, you look on YouTube for like little featurettes or stuff like that. There's only like, if you Google this movie, you have to be very particular about putting movie because if you search bachelor party Vegas, all you're going to get is like how to play the perfect bachelor party. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and it's actually interesting that I mentioned that, you know, bachelor party Vegas seems so vague because they, this movie had a working title or a title it was released by. Did you catch that? If you look on IMDb, it's listed as Vegas baby, like Vegas comma baby. Uh, but yeah, they, I, I did see that as a working title, uh, and it's and it's odd that IMDb has it listed as that. But if you go to like Rotten Tomatoes or Wikipedia, it's listed as Bachelor Party Vegas. Yeah, uh, I think the reason why they might have listed it is when you're in the pre-production process, you have to give your film a working title, so they called it Vegas Baby, and so when you're reaching out for you know money and talent and whatever that's the name they know that film by so they they probably put that title in the imdb to kind of help trail back to this movie because they changed the title of the movie for the release and everything but what about all the people that invested money and time and effort into it well now you can't find it because they changed the name of the title of the film so that that's probably one reason why they they add that you don't see it often i mean I almost never put the working title in anything that I work on and, and I don't see it happening a lot actually. Yeah. It's like when they uh, filmed, what was it? Was it Jedi? They filmed return of the Jedi. They listed its working title was blue harvest. And then um, I forget what the working title for uh, star Wars the force awakens it was something like forest bears or something like that it was it was something weird but yeah i i know that there's a working title but usually imdb would have the proper listing yeah so i i just found it odd and and i mean hey there's your third piece of trivia for this movie is that its working title was vegas baby uh so another reason they could do it is to kind of get the press off of the uh off the trail I mean, imagine being as big as like Marvel or somebody and you got a new movie coming out and everyone's excited about it. People are trying to get as much information as they can. So you change the title of the movie to a different working title. So it's harder to track down. Like if you had a movie titled, you know, like, uh, I mean, what's the, what's one of the biggest movies of the year this year? Well, I mean, um, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker just dropped the new like D23 trailer where they Oh, that's show. right. And so it's like you know, those ones in particular, they have to uh, use a working title while they're filming because you know, people are always trying to get spoilers, trying to, you know, catch a glimpse and they film all out there in England uh for a lot of it. There's a lot of shots that are shot in Morocco, I want to say, or some desert area. But uh so it's like they have to just keep people from who are nearby from you know climbing the fence and taking a shot because they know they're filming a Star Wars movie over there, right? And that's exactly why they might have changed the title. I mean, there's a good chance that they were like, "Hey, this is going to be a big movie. We probably should change the title. Make sure nobody knows what we're working on." And then they gave it the actual title, Bachelor Party Vegas, and then it goes out and like I don't know. I'm not saying it did amazingly well, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. So they wake up the next morning after being in that room, surrounded by all the old games and stuff, have to find their way down into a sewer line because they find that they're like locked into a fence area. (laughs) And as they're walking, yeah, as as they're walking through the sewer, they find like a bunch of duffel bags and they're like oh no it's a bag of heads like we're you know we're about to stumble upon some shit we don't want to see and they find the money that was stolen from the golden nugget casino like they find a big stash of cash and they get all excited yeah we've got a million dollars a piece because there's five million dollars there and they've got uh, it, there's five of them there so they're like yeah this money's going to change our lives blah 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 
and they get out of the sewer with the money and are immediately arrested by a passing police officer. Like it drives by him and you kind of get this little like, <laughs> uh, are, are we going to get away with this? And then immediately he flips a UE and then arrests them. They're in jail being questioned by the police. They had a happy moment and it doesn't last for long. That's kind of the whole tone of the movie is it's, it's mainly down, and then you get a couple moments that go up where they find that money, and then we're, we're going to take that away from you too. Yeah, it is, it is. They really do try and make this like if you if you were to watch the beats of the movie on like an EKG machine, it'd be it'd be like a really like you know little little it really jumps back and forth in tone, and it feels like it feels like there's a lot of those. Like even, you know, some of the other movies we talked about for this episode, like Euro Trip, things like that have, you know, like really like high moments and then really like, oh, shit moments. And they've got those back to back down moments, too, that really help kind of put your characters in the gutter because there's got to be some kind of hopeful, happy ending at the end. But you can't do that if they're not already in the gutter. So before we we move on in the plot of this movie. I have to know when you watched this movie the first time, when did you know, like the game, because this movie has a game and I'm ashamed to know that like I figured it out, but it was, it was right before the the gig was up. So I, before I get into where I figured it out, I want to know where you figured it out. Uh, oh man, it's kind of hard because I've seen this movie three times now, but uh, when I was younger and the first time I watched it, I actually don't think I figured it out until it was revealed. Oh yeah? Yeah, I, I think I was young enough and just kind of along for the ride I'd, enough to just kind of be like, oh, plot twist. But uh, But now that I'm older and I've been in film school, like I could have probably seen it coming probably even before the second act. So, yeah, I feel like I should have known earlier because I, I watched this movie and they go from the jail, they get transferred from the jail, and then Chuck Liddell rolls up on his motorcycle and starts blasting away the police. And I'm like, all right, they can't have Chuck Liddell play himself and also be a cop killer. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like this is all fake. There's something going on that's not real about this anymore. And unfortunately, it, you know, it may just be that I'm old, like I'm older. It was, I didn't watch this in 2006 when it came out, but it was, this is like mere moments before the jig was up because Chuck Liddell kidnaps them from their police transport and says he's going to kill them and puts hoods on them and takes them someplace. And like the second Chuck Liddell starts blasting away cops, I'm like, he's not going to be a cop killer as himself. Unless there's something going on. So I was like, this is all set up for something. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> I during the first watch through I didn't figure it out. I, I like I said, I was just along for the ride. But now that you kind of paint that picture, uh yeah, you can't <laughs> you can't portray your own name as a famous celebrity and then oh he's also a cop killer. Like that's gonna do well for his career. I mean, Conor McGregor's out there punching old dudes for not drinking his whiskey. That's very but, true. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is you know 2006. This is a sacred era, you know. So I don't think Chuck Liddell is going to be portraying himself as a cop killer in any movie. So yeah, the 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 jig's up for me. I realize this is all a setup, and as soon as he wheels them into where he's supposedly going to execute them, they pull off the hoods and they realize. Spoiler alert, they're surrounded by every single person that they've met along their night, all the way up from the guy who set them up with the fake chips, the casino owners, the girls who laughed at their dicks, the spaghetti wrestling Elvis, Jamie Presley's there, uh, Candy Jugs, and Chuck Liddell. And it's revealed that this was all pre-planned. They were never in any real danger. And uh, Fat Pussy himself reads a letter from Z-Bob's brother who says, now you know what the real truth is. 
you can't tell anybody, but this whole thing was to emphasize that sure your relationship with this guy who's getting married may be changing, but it doesn't matter because you guys have shared the best, best adventure of all, which is friendship. Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I actually liked the plot twist. Oh, honestly, that the first time I watched this movie, that's what turned it around for me. Cause I was like, this is gratuitous. There's just like, there's tits everywhere. There's like, you know, the fucking, the, the stripper in the van. Like there's like, there's so much going on here that it felt like they were trying really hard. And in, in a sense, they were trying really hard. They were making an experience for these guys. And the fact that they turned it all around with like, this was all planned out. This was all made for you. Like we did this, you know, we directed your movie of your bachelor party, which, you know, shout out to uh, Eric Burnt, you know, for, for putting that <laughs> one together. But it really turned the movie around for me because, I mean, it, is, it just like seemed like one of those movies that's like, I, I'm never going to watch this again. And then I actually, I've watched it a couple of times since then just to try and catch more about it. But yeah, so that, that really turned the movie around for me. Yeah, there's if if you pay close enough attention, there are so many. I mean, a, a lot of good movies have plants and payoffs or setups and payoffs. Uh, the terms are kind of loosely used, but this this movie probably has, I wouldn't say the most, but a, a heavy amount of as they journey through their trip through Vegas and all this shit starts happening to them. If you play, pay close enough attention, everything is paid off at the end at that big party, mainly through the characters that are all there laughing and clapping and like, ha we got you. Almost like it's uh, a, just a big setup from like the government or something. Like we've had cameras and, uh, and we've, had, we've had cameras everywhere. We've had people following you around with boom mics and everything. Like we, we got you. We truly showed you. Yeah. But, but <laughs> the fact that the way they paid off was such a, a, mo- a good moment, the way that, you know, he reads that speech about his brothers and how like, Oh, it's all about friendship. And you, you know, your relationship's going to change with this guy, but you've shared this one experience and now it's okay. And I was like, Oh my God. Like when I first watched this movie, I was like, for me, I was just like, what mind blown. Like <laughs> how else would they end this movie? We should, we should, we should take a few seconds and, write a shittier ending to this movie. Mine would probably be the police arrest them. They all go to jail and they continue the bachelor party in jail and the guy never gets married. And then there's just like title cards that says like how long they were (laughs) in jail for, how long their stint was. So I'm really glad that you brought this up. Uh, and, and, And this movie, it actually like, there's a couple of different spots where they, the characters almost give away the plot. Like then when they meet the, the porn star, she's like, so you guys are with the bachelor party, huh? Yes. Like, Wait a second. How do you know that? And I honestly thought, I was like, well, they're all wearing like the bachelor party shirts. Sure. But it's it like, was planned that, yeah, you know, like they plan to meet up with this porn star person. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's easily right offable, but in the, the, you know, hindsight is always 2020 perspective it's this this character that they set up for this plot is like almost slipping up per se but so you asked me how this movie ends and I, I will tell you exactly how this movie ends this movie ends exactly where the beginning of the hangover starts so <laughs> they have this party at the end of it, like after everything's all said and done, all these characters that like set them up this whole time are attendees at this party that they have in their hotel room. And the last scene is Cal Pan and the bachelor himself, like looking into this camera that they see, like, is that, has that there been there this whole time? And then they just fade out on Cal Pan laughing because he set up this camera to film the whole thing. But my, in my mind, these guys don't look like they do. These guys look like the characters from The Hangover. And then they wake up the next morning with the room all trashed, the baby in the closet, tiger in the bathroom. It ends where The Hangover begins, which is yeah. 
Like beautiful. It's beautiful. Could be a prequel. If you if you had the same cast, it could be definitely be a prequel. Like maybe it's just the way my mind works, but I can meld those faces in my mind. You know, like the chubby guy Zach Galifianakis. (laughs) So it's like I don't know that 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 thought alone because I thought of that before you asked that question also makes the movie just like takes it up a notch for me. If I could just like just you know change those memories in my mind like brainwash myself to think that oh no Bradley Cooper was in this movie uh Ed Helms was in this movie <laughs> like, it, it it melds my mind a little bit just like oh those guys woke up the next day and then they're like is that a fucking baby in the closet <laughs> why is there a tattoo on my face <laughs> <laughs> exactly so I I really think if you're gonna watch this movie just just maybe play some mind games with yourself and and fold it into the hangover for sure yeah I I, I always wonder if like if Hangover kind of got some visual references or story ideas from movies like this, or maybe even this one, like, did they build off of this to make that one? You know, because they say the there are no more original ideas. Everything has been done. And that could be true. That could be complete horseshit. But yeah, I mean, it, you get visual references from everything. So I it, wonder if maybe they used this movie as – like stepping stones or maybe they decided hey let's try to kind of follow a plot like this yeah i honestly like this hangover this came out 2006 hangover came out in 2009 so it's completely possible that who uh whoever wrote the hangover um i'm not gonna find it right now but whoever wrote it was like i bet you i could do better than that and but I really think that like maybe the episode title is going to be like hangover the prequel or something like that. Just cause this, this is like, that's, that's how I like to look at, at the bachelor party Vegas is like, Oh, there's, there's more to the story type thing. I would, I wonder what would have happened if like that movie didn't end. Like if they actually, like they all party and then they wake up the next morning and it is like the hangover but maybe a little bit different. Like, I just wonder how much longer does this story continue? Does this guy ever get to marry his wife or is it just an endless sea of shitty down moments where then, oh, it's another prank. We pranked you again. Uh, this movie could go on for a while, but. Yeah, um, so, so overall, is this something that I would watch again? Uh, yes, I think I would simply for the fact that you know one you've helped to give me a new perspective on some of the plot points some of the the you know places they wind up and the things they do and two it it really is something that you can just put on and be comfortable with like especially now that you know i'm sure you you'd watch this a few times as a kid or as a as a young adult and you know now i've watched it a few times and it's something that you know, it, it's not necessarily like a hilarious movie. It's not Anchorman 2 or, you know, something other than that. But it, it's got its good moments. And knowing that the plot is coming, knowing that the twist is coming, actually makes it more fun to go back and watch. Yeah, especially once you actually, once you watch it the first time and you realize the twist, that's one reason why I went and watched it again was, all right, what else is in this thing? Because there's obviously a lot more in here that I didn't catch. And for me, it's, it's fun. It's like, fine. it's like a little game I play with myself about, all right, what did I not get the first time? And this movie's kind of just chock full of it. I mean, even through just the art direction, uh, the lighting cues, the setups, the way the characters move, like you can almost pretty much, after watching this about maybe the third time, you could definitely figure it out a lot sooner. I actually like watch. I actually like showing this movie to people who've never seen it before, and watching them watch the movie to see like if if I think they figured it out yet. Yeah, I could imagine there's there's probably a few like what are you what are we watching type moments, and then when yeah. they get to it, they're like, oh okay. So, well, I I, I appreciate you sharing this movie with me, Brad. Uh, like I said, I had I had no idea about it until you mentioned it, and you know. Am I richer for watching it? Maybe, but I did enjoy talking about it with you. 
I did enjoy watching it. Uh, Brad, you got anything else to say about this movie? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's, you know, it's not the best comedy, hit comedy of the season out there. But, you know, it's it's one of those movies that you can, like you said, you can sit down and just kind of relax and watch. And most people are going to enjoy themselves, depending on the content that they'd like to watch. <laughs> I, I feel like most people would get a kick out of this movie. And it probably set up a lot of people, their, their careers with this type of movie. I mean, a lot of the actors are in bigger name movies. Maybe this was a stepping stone for them. So, you know, as me trying to make this into a career, I feel like this is a really good attempt, if not a very good attempt at making a comedy because comedies are tough. They're not easy. Yeah. You know, it's like there's certain points in this movie where I feel like it should have national lampoons uh, in front of the title, like national lampoons, bachelor party Vegas. Cause it's got a similar tone to some of the older national lampoons, like the old, like yes, beta house and things like that, where, which were popular at the time. Uh, but yeah, I really I do see where this could be like a stepping stone. Like Donald Faison, he wasn't in a lot of movies before this, and you know he went on to do comedy roles and things like Kick Ass Two, which again, not the greatest movie, but I you know I love him in it. I love his character, uh, and, and it's <laughs> like those, you know, you you can start to form like a structure as you're watching early work you know you know things that could use improvement you start to like form where things have come from and how things got to where they are and so and and, you know you mentioned like it's not you know the hit of the season but it's something that you felt could use a little more love and i'm glad that we here at absurdist asylum were able to give it a little more love So uh, if you guys are interested, please check us out on Twitter and Facebook. We're uh, at Absurdist Asylum on Twitter, uh, at Absurdist Asylum on Facebook. Email us at absurdasylum at gmail.com. We should be on iTunes sometime soon now. Uh, We're on Spotify. Uh, Thanks for stopping by.